I actually read a study where uh, that said that if everyone in the United States followed a strictly vegan diet, it would only reduce greenhouse gas, emis- gas emissions by 2.6% in the U.S. or less than half percent globally. Um, while if you just avoid one less round-trip transatlantic flight, it would save twice the amount of carbon as eating a plant-based diet for an entire year. You can't survive without it. It plays a part in almost everything we bring into our homes. It's agriculture. I'm Amy Flugsopt. In my 15-year career as a broadcast journalist, I've traveled the country, won awards, and have told the stories of everyone from presidential candidates to the neighbor next door. Now I'm getting back to my farm girl roots to connect you back to where your food, fuel, fabric, and all of those items in between originated, the farm. Inside the Bullseye is a -a one-of-a-kind conversation that's designed especially for you, the consumer. Broadcasting from my home studio in Madison, Wisconsin, I'm Amy Fluksopt. Trust me, this isn't your grandfather's way of farming. Welcome to this edition of Inside the Bullseye and right out of the gate, get ready to feel a little shock. I know this was a bit startling to me, so get ready. Here we go. They are the first generation to grow up completely online. They were born between 1996 and 2010, meaning many are in their early 20s starting their careers. We're talking about those Gen Zers. Listen to these stats put out by Business Insider. They don't know a world without Facebook. They were just a toddler when YouTube was founded and just starting school when Apple released the iPhone. Wow, right? Do you feel old? I know I do. Well, even though it's early in the game for them, they are already making major contributions to the economy. And many studies already show that this group is influencing the other generations around them. Today, we're going to meet one woman who gives her perspective on the future of agriculture and how it will impact what you put on your family's table. Joining the conversation is Kinsey Bertram. She's a 21-year-old rancher from Stillwater, Oklahoma, and just this last fall was featured on Time Magazine's website, time.com, as part of the 30 in 2030 planning for the future. Kenzie, thanks so much for joining the conversation here at Inside the Bullseye. We are so excited to hear your perspective. I am glad to be here this afternoon. Well, before we dive in into your involvement in this awesome video that has been produced, give us some background about yourself. I know you're a farm kid. Yeah, so like you said, I'm 21 years old. I grew up on a commercial cow-calf Angus ranch in northern Stillwater and Glencoe, Oklahoma, and I've been farming with my family ever since I could help open gates. So I've been doing this for a while, and I'm excited to continue working in this industry. I am currently a senior at Oklahoma State University studying animal science with an emphasis in business and a minor in law and legal studies. 
and next fall I will be attending a law school. I've been offered two full-ride scholarships, so once I choose between the two of them, I'll be attending law school in pursuit of an agricultural attorney career field in order to ensure that farmers and ranchers can continue their daily lives of feeding the world. Um, so that's a little bit about me. I have been involved in the beef industry for about as long as I can remember. I've been attending Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association and National Cattlemen's Beef Association meetings with my father ever since he could drag me along. And um, <laughs> I've, I've just been doing this a while. I was recently president of the Oklahoma Collegiate Cattlewomen's Association. And our biggest drawing point was we hosted a food insecurity campaign after it came to our attention that 48% of graduate students at OSU considered themselves to be food insecure. And so we teamed up with our student government association in the Oklahoma Beef Council. Um, and we did a social media campaign. And for every like we got, we were the Oklahoma Beef Council donated a beef stick to uh, the food pantry on campus called Pete's Pantry. And we ended up reaching our goal of $2,500 or 2,500 beef sticks in the first day and ended up reaching 27,000 people across a week of the campaign. So that was our our big selling point last year. Um, I have taken my leave as president to give the chance to someone else to um, promote the industry and I'm taking some time to get ready for law school and finish up my undergrad. Wow. <laughs> what an impressive resume you have going on there. First of all, <laughs> let me say congratulations on uh, having to pick and being accepted to two different law schools. That's incredible. So uh, good luck on your choice there. And Thank secondly, you. wow, what a project to be leading as a college student and, and doing something that is so beneficial to help your peers. That's incredible. Thank you. Thank you. It's it was really hard to think about how just a college student could help impact someone or even multiple people across campus, but just knowing that one person was able to get protein that day was enough for me and enough for the rest of my team as well. Well, I have to ask you, with so many career options out there, why are you choosing to stay in agriculture? So agriculture is something that I've grown up on. I've never known anything besides it. And I know that it is so important to the rest of the world. I mean, we grow the food that we eat. We grow the food that other people eat. And so it's just really important. I have a passion for it. I love it. I've That's been instilled into me ever since I was little. Uh, without agriculture, we wouldn't be able to survive from your clothes to gas to soap. Anything is related back to agriculture. And so I couldn't imagine myself doing anything um, outside of the industry. And just to there's not very many jobs outside the industry. It's always connected some way or another. Um, but yeah. As a farm kid myself, I can totally understand the pull to the industry. It's just, it just feels like home when you're, yes. when you're with your peers within the industry. So I totally understand that, but can we talk a little bit to, to our consumers? We know that, you know, many people are three, maybe four generations removed from the farm. So can you kind of paint a picture, a day in the life of a rancher? What do you do? So, so these people who, who, who don't have the luxury that you and I have grown up with mm -hmm. can understand a little bit about what happens. 
Yeah, so a day in the life as a rancher is never the same. And every day you're going to be doing something different, but um, it's and it's different for every rancher. Myself, I, I go to class every day, and I go out to the ranch after that. And for other people, it's their entire day. It's their entire lives. And so um, it just depends on the operator, but you you do what you have to do. So for me, I, I go to class and I learn about the industry. And then after class, I go out to the field, feed the cattle. Uh, we feed them once every two days and they, uh, they hay for the off days. And we just try and make sure that they're well fed and taken care of. Cause if they aren't taken care of, then they're of no use to us. And so we really do care for the animals and so on a typical day, I'll go out from class and check the cattle and make sure they're doing all right. If it's calving season, just making sure that no mamas are having any problems calving. If so, then got to break out the gloves and the chains and make sure that yeah. we can get that calf delivered without any problems to uh, the calf or the mom um, so we continue to produce. For, for our consumers listening, what is calving season for you? How long does that run? And, and, and kind of put into perspective just how busy it can be for you as a rancher. Yeah, so calving season is, there's two, normally two different seasons. Sometimes it's in the fall, but for most producers, they'll calve in the spring. So our calving season will start in early March and run throughout the end of May, um, to try and, try and get through the middle of May. So uh, during calving season, we, ch we have a pen for the heifers, and those are those cows that have never bred a calf before, and we'll go out there and we put them in a separate pen because we know if anyone's going to have trouble, it's going to be them. And so we have them in a special pen that we check every single day, every couple of hours to make sure uh, if they're having any problems that we're on it, and we check and see uh, this, this cow's close to calving. We need to watch her in the next couple of hours to see if she needs help, but if she can do it herself, that is, that's ideal. They, they're instinctive. They know what to do. So we just check on them and make sure that they're well taken care of. I think what a lot of people don't realize, too, who are removed from the farm, how quickly those baby calves jump up and start moving around and start sucking from mama. It's pretty it's a, it's an incredible sight to watch. It is. Yeah, they're very cute. They they'll run and they look like baby deer dogs with their tails <laughs> flying up and they're they're pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see the life cycle start from the ground up. So now that we've learned a little bit about you and your background, I, I really want to dive into this this awesome article that you were featured in. And just to give some background to our listeners about the 30 and 2030 planning for the future video, this was actually looking at those who are members of Gen Z, which would be you, and will turn 30 in 2030. And the reason that that is significant is that's the year that much of the world is targeting to have a plan in place to really reduce the impacts of climate change. That's the date a lot of people are targeting right now. So there's a link to this awesome video in the show notes and, of course, over on our social media page, Inside the Bullseye, if you'd like to see it. But, Kenzie, I would really love to know how you were selected to be a part of something like this yeah so I was selected over the summer to be a part of this article um, Time magazine actually saw a video that I did for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association women in ranching 
Um, that was just a couple minute video I did for them highlighting women in the agricultural field. And I was actually interning for NCBA this summer when one of my superiors came to me and said, Time Magazine is interested in you and we've given you, they've, we've given them your video and they want to have an interview with you. So I had actually just gotten back from a meeting at the British Embassy on Trade um, when I had my first preliminary interview with Time and they, I told them about Pete's Pantry, um, the food and security campaign that we did with the Oklahoma Cattle Women's Association and they were very interested in that. Um, the woman who did the interview was from Italy, and so she was very interested in ranching and how we do it here in America, uh, especially as a young female producer. What was going through your mind when, when they came to you and said, you know, Time Magazine wants to talk to you? I mean, Time Magazine is, is a pretty profound publication. It's, it's you know, world-renowned. Everyone knows that name. But what went through your mind when Time wanted to talk to you? I was, I was a little dumbfounded, to say the least. I, I didn't know um, what I could share. It's just my life um, that they wanted to know about, so I didn't think I had anything really to say. But if someone's going to tell the story about agriculture, it might as well be true, and it might as well be for me. So I thought uh, I was very excited and um, honored for the opportunity. Um, you know, I before the interview, they came out to the ranch in August, the week before school started, and I tried to tell myself, you know, like, I've got this time's coming here, and it's going to be great, but I'm like, it's Time Magazine. They know, like, they've seen everything. They know what's going on, so I was very honored to do that. Oh, how exciting. So, I, I, I can just uh, imagine just the excitement of knowing that time was coming, but when you think about this, what does it mean to you to be a part of this global message, talking about what this next generation of world leaders wants to do to help combat climate change? It's very humbling for sure. Of course, I have my own ideas and things that I've learned through my education. Um, so I'm very humbled that I'm one of the people who get to spread the message and tell the truth about agriculture and so i am i'm very happy to do it any chance i get um and i'm just really excited to share the message yeah i know there's a lot of misinformation out there especially surrounding the agricultural industry so kudos to you to being a, a great advocate for the industry I, I know that's what we're really trying to do here at inside the bullseye is just to educate consumers so they can make those best choices for their families. We know every family is unique. Every family has different needs to be happy, healthy, and successful. But uh, congratulations to you and all the work you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I want to I want to bring up something you said at the close of that video, and I, and I really think it was truly powerful, and it, and it spoke to my heart being a former farm kid as well. But you said, I see farmers and ranchers as the original conservationists, and this is something that I plan to pass down to my kids one day. What can you tell those listening today who may have a negative image of agriculture? What can you tell them that farmers and, and ranchers are doing to truly protect these natural resources? 
Yeah, so farmers and ranchers are the original conservationists. Uh, we wouldn't be here today if we didn't um, protect and rejuvenate the land. And so we've been implementing conservation and sustainable practices since the very beginning. And we have to continue to do so in, a, in order to do our jobs and continue our livelihood. Back home on our ranch, we implement rotational grazing where we put cattle on a certain pasture for a, um, this, a certain length of time until the grass and the hay gets short. And then we move them to a different pasture that's been growing in order to make that original pasture rejuvenate and grow back um, so it's usable in the future. Um, another thing that we do here at Bertram Cattle is uh, changing up our antibiotics. Um, antibiotic resistance is something that is on a lot of people's mind, not only in the human sector, but in the animal sector as well. And so every couple of years, we change up our antibiotics of different products that we use in order to make sure that the animals don't become resistant and we can continue to keep our animals safe and healthy. If the animals aren't okay, we're not doing okay either. And Something that I heard the other day from another farmer is, if I can't feed my family, I can't feed your family. And so that's something that I think is very important and to keep modern agriculture sustainable, we have to be able to make a living. And we're all on the same side. We all just wanna get food and continue to feed the planet. You brought up a really um, hot button topic, I would say, with a lot of consumers out there, antibiotics. And there's this fear and a lot of misinformation surrounding antibiotics and thinking that if you use antibiotics in a meat animal that it's going to that residue could show up on my my dinner plate or my mm -hmm. child's dinner plate or if you use antibiotic for an animal that's producing dairy that could be in you know my gallon of milk I have sitting in my fridge what can you help set the record straight on this this is something we've talked about a number of times across inside the bullseye but it, it never hurts to hear it again from an actual rancher yeah so on every medicinal label on every single medicine that we give to our cattle whether it's poron injectables or um, oral medicine there is a withdrawal date on every single one of those products that says if you are intending to to slaughter this animal you need to quit giving this medication within 30 days or however many days it says um, it differs for each medication. So there is no chance that there's going to be antibiotics in your meat, in your milk, or in any of your food um, from us uh, beef and dairy producers. Yeah, we can't say it enough. You've just heard it right here from a real life rancher that there there is never any antibiotics in your meat or milk. Never any antibiotics in your meat and milk. Let's just make that clear right now and dispel that myth completely. Yeah, I, I wouldn't feed anyone anything I wouldn't eat myself and I sure as heck eat a lot of the beef that we produce. <laughs> well, speaking of food, and you being in gen uh, a Gen Zer, you know, I recently read this article that talked about Gen Z being born into this foodie culture that we have. So, Gen Z is like hyper aware of not only the health impacts of food, but also the environmental impacts of making that all happen. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? And and how does it play into what you want to do in the future? Yeah, so food is definitely important, um, but it becomes hard when it becomes a political statement. It, so food, the food that we produce, it's going to be safe and it's going to be sustainable. We are producing more pounds of beef 
with less cattle every single year and with less land. So that's just proof in itself that we that ranching is sustainable and 90% of what cattle eat is food that humans can't eat. I know that's something that I've heard a lot of people say is that cattle and other animals are taking food away from humans. Well, cattle are actually ruminants, which means they can process the grass and other forages that human stomachs cannot digest. And so this 90% of the diet that cattle are eating is food that people can't eat. And the really cool thing is that they upcycle that grass and make it into beef and milk and some things that humans can eat. I think that's a really important point to bring up. Again, another one we have talked about a number of times here on Inside the Bullseye and something we're hearing more and more from research is that cattle aren't the enemy. I know it's it's something that it's been brought up a number of times in um, you know docu-series and things like that but what are you guys talking about right now in your college classes in your in your college courses to to kind of help bring some peace of mind to to consumers that are listening right now that cattle aren't the enemy. Yeah, so we talk about this every day in my capstone class. We're actually covering the issues facing animal agriculture. And we, we've been watching videos of people saying that um, agriculture is evil and we're trying to kill the planet and bring on climate change. And that's just simply not true. Um, so I, I would disagree with that fully. We are trying to promote the beef industry and trying to continue to feed the planet. Um, otherwise, none of us would be here. Yeah, we know that world population is growing and it's growing rapidly. And it, we, we just need a lot of options to be able to <laughs> to, mm -hmm. to feed everybody. And, and, you know, depending on what part of the planet people are in, different things work better than others. But beef is definitely a part of that discussion. For sure. And I know something we talked about in one of my college classes recently is um, are those who say that everybody should follow a vegan diet, everybody should go meatless. Um, but I actually read a study where uh, that said that if everyone in the United States followed a strictly vegan diet, it would only reduce greenhouse gas, emis gas emissions by 2.6% in the U.S. or less than half percent globally. Um, while if you just avoid one less round-trip transatlantic flight, it would save twice the amount of carbon as eating a plant-based diet for an entire year. And those were both from 2017 studies. So they're very recent. And I think that that's very important to know um, that beef is not the problem. Um, electricity and transportation take up way more um, greenhouse gas emissions than cattle do. Cattle are sitting at 2% and just a little over 3% if you include the production like transportation. And so we're not the problem. We are at, uh, cattle actually produce, they offset the carbon that they emit. So I think they're really good at upcycling and we're, we're not the problem. Well, we've talked about some of the hot button issues facing the industry right now. As a future leader in the agricultural industry, what topics should we be looking ahead to? Is there anything that you think will become these hot topics in the future? Yeah, so something that we talked about this summer in my internship was that taxes are going to be a huge issue coming up with agriculture. Um, uh, succession planning is a, a 
very important aspect of agriculture. Um, most families intend on passing down their farm um, to their offspring or to someone younger that they know. And so it's really important to have a succession plan because when things come into play like capital gains taxes, um, being able to run the operation after paying those taxes is going to be a little difficult um, depending on the operation. So I think taxes are going to be a really big issue um, along with antibiotics becoming um, more of a hot button issue than it already is now. Here at Inside the Bullseye, we're, we're really all about, you know, opening this conversation between consumers and farmers and really trying to bridge that gap between these two groups of people who really rely on each other because if if farmers don't have a place to sell, you know, they don't have a reason to produce. And we, we, we these two groups of people really rely on each other. So what should consumers be thinking about or what questions should they be asking their local producers in, in trying to educate themselves within the agricultural industry? Yeah, I think consumers should know that uh, producers are consumers themselves. Uh, we have to eat as well, and uh, we love eating the products that we produce, and we wouldn't feed anyone anything. We wouldn't eat ourselves and feed our own families, and so uh, we are all on the same side. We just want to eat, and um, I think they should know that in order to do that, uh, modern agriculture is the essence of sustainability. Well, I'm just sitting here looking at our time. We're quickly running out of time. I love this conversation we're having, Kenzie, but I'm wondering, are there any final thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with here at Inside the Bullseye? I just want to say that if you have a question about agriculture, where your food comes from, just ask a producer. Um, there's plenty of us on social media if that's your way of uh, communicating, but we'd love to answer any questions. Um, I think it's great to have a conversation and we've got to be careful when communicating with others and um, try and have a conversation instead of talking at people. I think a lot of, a lot of us talk to, uh, to talk and not to listen. And so I think it's important to have a direct communication and a back and forth instead of having a one-minded way of, of thinking and be open to discussion. Well, Kenzie, I know uh, you're you're busy with school right now. I'm just just curious before we wrap up, what 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 does the next couple months look like for you? Yeah, so I'll have to decide which law school I want to go to here in the next couple of months. Um, my fiance is in Kansas right now, so and we're we're planning a wedding. So lots of wedding planning will be happening, um, along with calving season coming up here in a couple months. I'm I'm really excited to get that started and get some new babies on the ground. Oh well, Kenzie, thanks so much. You've been listening to Kenzie Bertram, a 21 year old rancher from Oklahoma who is already making her mark in the agricultural industry. Kenzie, thank you for your hard work that you do, not only as a rancher, but especially the advocacy work you're doing for the industry. Your time and talents are truly appreciated by all of us here at Inside the Bullseye. Thank you so much. If you'd like to watch the 30 in 2030 Planning for the Future video or read the full article uh, on Time Magazine at time.com, we have a link posted in our show notes for you. And this really isn't the first, nor will it be the last time we talk about sustainability here on Inside the Bullseye. Check out our previous episodes to learn more about what farmers are doing to protect our delicate natural resources for generations to come. Also, if you have a question about what, why farmers do what they do, go ahead and ask. 
You can send that question in a DM on social media, or you can email it to inside the bullseye at genusplc.com. We'd love to answer it in a future episode. And if you learned something new, share this episode with a friend. We'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope after listening, you feel just a little more connected to the people and places that have made it possible for you to bring all of your favorite products into your home every day. Inside the Bullseye is available for download right now. Just click subscribe wherever you consume your favorite podcasts and catch a new episode featuring a new guest every Thursday. Don't forget, be sure to join the conversation as well. We'd love to hear from you. Follow along on Facebook and Instagram at Inside the Bullseye. You have questions, ask me. I'll get you the answer in a future episode. This episode of Inside the Bullseye wouldn't be possible without ABS Global. ABS is a bovine genetic company that's proud to partner with farmers in 70 countries all around the globe to produce nutritional animal proteins to feed the world. Thanks so much for joining us. In the meantime, be sure to thank a farmer.